The kingdom of God advances. <laughs> the kingdom of God advances through, through that story of forgiveness. Uh, that, that is part of what it means to live in God's kingdom. We, we reflect forgiveness and then we experience his mercy. We, we experience his, his goodness and his mercy. And, and sometimes uh, not always in the ways that we would prefer it packaged, as Jeff had mentioned. And, and as Jesus was moving forward in Luke 17, he's sharing about the kingdom advancing. The kingdom of God is here because he is here through forgiveness, through mercy. And he declares the kingdom of God is right in front of us. And he shows in this text there's going to be more to come. And, and yet there's a group that is hearing this and has consistently said, we don't see it. They've consistently heard this Jesus tell these stories and demonstrate these miracles, and yet they ask, where is this kingdom? Here's what they said. Being asked by the Pharisees, they asked when the kingdom of God would come. (laughs) But though he's right there in front of them, in real meaningful ways, they're missing him. And I just want to pause and look back briefly at chapters 14, 15, 16, because this isn't new. Luke has framed the text to show us these different interactions, and then each time has told a story, and then he pulls his disciples aside. Here's here's what Luke has done thus far. The past few chapters, the Pharisees were watching him carefully, whether he was going to heal on the Sabbath. The Pharisees and scribes grumbled that Jesus would eat and drink with sinners and tax collectors, and then just recently we saw The Pharisees were lovers of money and they ridiculed him. And each time Luke has told a story, he's quoted Jesus then responding and showing, don't miss this banquet. He talks about humility and the priorities of not missing the banquet. Strive to enter the narrow door. Jesus responds with three stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost two sons. As they grumbled, as they complained, He begins talking about lostness. And then in the most recent one, he responds with a story about the rich man and Lazarus to respond to their greed. And then each time Jesus pulls people aside, he he draws his disciples or the crowd a little closer and responds, if you want to follow me, make me your top priority. Strive to enter the narrow door. And then to the disciples, use your resources on the right priorities. The way you use your resources demonstrate what you love. And then most recently this morning, we heard the power as Riley read and and through Sandy's story, forgiveness is fundamental. It's just part of what those in the kingdom do. They forgive. It's how they live. And yet as Jesus is saying that, the Pharisees still miss it. They say, when is the kingdom of God coming? And so we can look back in Luke. We can see where Jesus has said, I'm here. The kingdom of God is here because I'm here. When he unrolled the scroll in Luke 4, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as he rolls up the scroll, sits down, everyone is looking at him. And he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Later on, a few chapters later, 
He's talking to John's disciples and he says this, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The Pharisees are asking, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, 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 you heal a couple people, feed some people. Tell us when the kingdom of God is actually going to be here. And they miss it because it's right in front of them. Jesus responds, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is there for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Why is the kingdom of God here? We've been seeing that throughout the entire journey through Luke. The kingdom is here. Why? Because the king has arrived. That the king has arrived. Luke is writing so that we would have certainty that the king is here. And we've seen it. The entrance of the king is birthed like no one else. The teachings of the king. And now we're in this section where he is journeying to the cross. The journey of the king. And there was an interesting phrase in there. He says, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And depending on your translation, you're going to see that maybe in different ways. It's why translations are important. The one in front of us, the one we often use, the ESV, translates it in the midst of you. But if you're reading an NIV from earlier, it's going to say within you. Some other translations will say within your reach or grasp or possession. Or, man, the kingdom of God is right in front of you. And so why why is it that one? Why, Why is it in the midst of you? If Jesus turned to the Pharisees and said, the kingdom of God is within you, well, it would appear that would be a strange call for the Pharisees for whom we've gotten to know, and that just doesn't seem to be the case. Within your reach, the kingdom of God is within your reach or grasp. That, That Maybe that feels like we're just taking a little too much control of what God is doing in advancing his kingdom. Instead, what it seems is that the kingdom of God is right in front of you. The kingdom of God is in your midst because the king is here. Now, why does that matter? Why does that matter that that the king has arrived and that he is in our midst wherever King Jesus is? Why does that matter? Because like the Pharisees, sometimes it feels like we're looking for this big grand revelation of the kingdom of God being present. Instead, every moment of life has meaning. The small things in life have incredible meaning. That it's in those small things, like we heard from Sandy tell the story of forgiveness. How many people knew of that story before Sandy shared it? I would imagine not many of us. And yet it was in that moment the kingdom of God was advancing in real, tangible ways through forgiveness being demonstrated. The kingdom of God is here because the king is here. And then Jesus does what he did in the other stories as well. He pulls his disciples close. (laughs) He leans in and he says... I have something for you. And so as I was reading this text this week, thinking about a huddle, uh, my mind couldn't help but go to, I was just at the Packer game recently, a few weeks ago. And uh, and do you guys know Mike Cop? It was his birthday a few weeks ago. Or it's coming up, I think, turning 40. And then I think there's another birthday. Ivan, how old are you turning today? 14, come on. You guys remember being 14? (laughs) The glory days, the glory days. (laughs) Is that okay, Ivan? We don't call people out around here. We would never do that. We don't do that kind of stuff here. Anyway, so we're at a Packer game. And, and I couldn't believe, I love this. So I, I, I'm walking through, it was an incredible community. And I'm a Vikings fan, right? I'm, I found myself cheering for the Packers and I'm a Vikings fan. This was like the furthest thing. But it was just a phenomenal experience. I walk in and it just felt like everyone knew each other. 
It, it was just an incredible community. So I turned to one of the guys we were with, and I said, man, it, it, just, it just feels like everyone knows each other. He says, that's because they do. These are like season ticket holders for year after year after year. They just know each other. They're like sharing food with each other. I'm like, what? where am I? Lambeau Field, that's where I was. So I, I just love this, though, because what happens every time before a play? They huddle up. Every play, they come together and, and work together on what is about to come. The quarterback pulls his team together. The disciples come together. And, and then Jesus shares more about this kingdom. Because what we saw, the Pharisees can't see the kingdom, though it is right in front of them. They're missing the fact that Jesus is right there, and therefore the kingdom is there. But Jesus is now about to say something to his disciples about his return you won't miss it. It will be unmistakable. Jesus is returning. He's going to tell his disciples. And when I return, it will be unmistakable. Here's what he says. And he said to his disciples, the days are coming when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. So he's shifting from present to future. Do you feel it? He told the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is right here in front of you. Don't miss it. And now he pulls his disciples and begins looking towards the future to a coming day where he will return. And he says, the days are coming, that future day when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. What's he saying? In the context, these guys are hearing this story from Jesus in that moment and then they're reflecting on it later after he rises from the dead. There's gonna come a day, disciples, where you're gonna long to be back in these moments with me where I was hanging out, feeding you guys, sharing stories, laughing around the fire, because things are going to get challenging. You're going to long and desire to be back in these days. Or it could be you're going to long to see the future. The way it makes sense is as things got challenging, they were thinking, man, I, I long to see those days back with Jesus. And they will say to you, look there, look here, do not go and follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. There's a day coming where it will be unmistakable that Jesus has returned. I, I, I remember when we first got to Wisconsin, uh, lightning storms were not really a thing in Hawaii or California to the degree that they were here. And I remember that first year, we have a little sunroom. And for that, one of those first storms, I remember we just turned off all the lights and just sat in the sunroom uh, watching the sky just be filled up with lightning. My kids just cuddled up in a, a blanket just being overwhelmed by the power of these lightning storms, just being blown away as they lit up the sky. Jesus says, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. You're not going to be guessing on whether Jesus was coming back or not. He's saying it's going to be unmistakably clear to his disciples as he's huddling them. He's wanting them to be prepared. And then he's going to tell them. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. We've heard that story, right? We know he's journeying towards the cross and he's trying to give his disciples a heads up. And then he turns about how the world is going to be in that day. The Pharisees are, 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 are not able to see the kingdom of God in front of them. The disciples, he's saying, I don't want you to miss this. And then now he's going to tell two stories, one of Noah and one of Lot. 
about what it's going to be like in that day and the world won't be expecting Jesus' return. Because in the two stories, he could say, man, Noah, this is a great guy, smart guy. He huddled on a boat. It was fantastic on that boat. They had a wonderful time, got off, and they were ready to go. He could tell the story about Lot, where they left what they had and they ended up having a wonderful future. Is that the way he tells the story? Here's what he says. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, just as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. What does he emphasize? Ah, a sobering reality of of what is to come when he returns. Because he doesn't emphasize Noah and Lot having great times after that moment. What does he choose to emphasize? Pretty sobering reality. Now, what are those people doing when they are sent when the Son of Man returns? Are they living evil, licentious lives? Are they participating in all kinds of debauchery, just broken people living out broken lives? What does he say? What's their crime? They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. What were they doing? Everyday life. What was the problem? Had no recognition of being accountable to a sovereign God. They were carrying on as if he did not exist and owe them nothing. That they had no recognition of him in their life. They were just going about like everyday life with other things that were of more significance. How does he describe what happens? It's not good. Until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. But on that day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. Jesus huddles his disciples. He pulls them aside and says, I want to tell you something. There's a day coming. There's a day coming. Because how did Jesus come when he first arrived? As a baby. How many people saw it? Hey, welcome to Hillcrest. If you're a guest here, this is just par for the course. We just love talking and interacting. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Not very many people. Some animals. Pretty, pretty non-event. He's saying when I come again, it will be unmistakable. Like lightning flashing across the sky. No one will miss it. Those longing and waiting for him will be ready. Those that aren't, what are they doing? Just carrying on his life, and it is a sobering 
reality. So we're going to continue. And, and, and wish, yeah, there's a, there's a theological idea in this next chunk. Uh, and I'm going to encourage you. And, and if this big word means nothing to you, then let it just rain over you. Just let it pass over you. But, but if you're willing, take your ex- eschatological grid off for a second. And just read the text and try and catch. Because it feels like sometimes we fight on this stuff. Just take your lens off and just read what he's saying. What is Jesus' point as he shares this next section? So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods and the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? What happened to Lot's wife? Ah, why? She looked back. On that day, those that are waiting for his return don't think, you know, there was a whole modeling project that I was still working on. Jesus, could you just hold on? And I want to take care of that real quick. You know, the CRV that I told you about a couple weeks ago? I'm not going to say, hey, you know, I, I had a Oh, car wash, scheduled. I don't know if you know this, salt gets onto the car, starts to tear it up. I need to go to the car wash. Can you just hold off on that one second? There's some things I got to take care of. What does he say? Remember Lot's wife, there is a reality of what we're longing for and anticipating. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two, one in bed, one will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together, one will be taken and the other left. Now finish this sentence. And they said to him, where, Lord? Finish the question. How would you say that? Where will those who are taken be taken to? (laughs) He said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, live with an urgency, live with a kingdom mindset that there's a day when I will be returning. Live as you work and play and eat. Never lose sight that there's something coming and it will be unmistakable. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Jesus is trying to invite his people, his disciples, to hear those with single-minded, wholehearted devotion and a willingness to leave all behind will be safe when he returns. Do we live with that readiness? Because Monday's coming, right? Monday comes, we return back to our life. There is things waiting and clamoring for our attention in our Monday to Saturday. And so what do we hear Jesus calling us to as he pulls his disciples aside There is a radically dependent kingdom living today. Those small moments are not insignificant, are not meaningless. Instead, we get to be confident the kingdom is here because the king has arrived. And so we pray, God, what are you inviting us into? What what do you have for us today? And so I'd encourage you two potential things that you might pray in conjunction with that. Help me to want you more today. Help me to find more happiness in you than anything else this life has to offer. Help me cling more to you because sometimes these other things in life start competing for my affections. Remember Lot's wife. 
There were things competing for her affection to say, but I, I'm not ready. And help me trust that your better is better. Because sometimes like Jeff, I, I, I see the circumstances and they're not quite packaged as what I would perceive as better. God, help me trust that your better is better and that you are causing me to trust you more in these circumstances of life. That you are writing my story and you are drawing me to yourself to continue to let these things in life become less and less. And then there is a readiness for the king's return that everyone will answer for this life before God. Whether they're attentive to him or not, because maybe you're like me and sometimes you feel like, man, how's that person getting away with that? Who's gonna, where's justice in this moment? And, and, And yet, Jesus says, like lightning flashing across the sky, his return will be unmistakable and that everyone will answer for this life. Because people matter. All people matter. Do we have a heart and a sense that we long for people to find life in Christ, to find significance and fulfillment in Him? And so there is an element of what it means to demonstrate readiness because people matter. And so we, we act as living proof of a loving God. We display the power and love of Jesus to those who desperately need to meet Him with our daily lives. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we continue. And I want to pray for us, for us to continue to experience this kingdom living now with an eye, as Jesus said, for a day where it will be unmistakable that he has returned. Pray with me. Jesus, you are so good. Thank you for who you are, the work you are doing in our lives, to see the kingdom moments all around us in the small things, incredibly meaningful things that happen in our week to week. Help us to continue to have eyes to see the work you are doing all around us and to prepare. As you describe Lot and Noah, you call us as we huddle to say, may we reflect wholehearted devotion in all we do. For your glory, Jesus, we pray. Amen.